pandemonium as actor Kevin Spacey arrives for the start of yet another sexual misconduct trial. He was effectively turned into a non-entity. I would have interpreted it as a flirtatious task. I was actually, to be honest, quite flattered. Victims were starting to be given more credence than the accused. You have to ask yourself, why is he still talking? Why is he still repeating the same lie? I mean, he's been proven a liar. Hello, I'm Phelan McAleer. And I'm Anne McElhenney, and welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop from a different location, as you can see. Yes, I quite like this location. We are in uh, Austin, Texas. During a heat wave. During a heat wave. This is an unusual podcast, yes. right, Phelan? Well, yes, we want to introduce you to our new project. You may have noticed I've been away and Anne's been away on top secret projects recently a little bit. Um, so we have a new podcast, a nine-episode podcast, True Crime... Uh, True crime, true crime, but the crime isn't what you think it is. It's called the Kevin Spacey Trial Unfiltered. Yes, a nine-episode podcast about Kevin Spacey, the Hollywood actor Kevin Spacey, and his legal trials and tribulations, and most notice, not, most notably, most notably, and most interestingly, his, his exonerations. Um, and I bet I can. Safely bet that a lot of you out there don't know about Kevin Spacey's exonerations. Uh, a lot of people we have spoken to don't know, and these are media savvy people a lot. So we were those people, by we the way. We were those people. I was those people. <laughs> um, and he was exonerated not once, not twice, but three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we are now in Austin, but we're just about to go on a plane, actually, to London to cover his really his fourth legal proceedings. So when actually when you're watching this, we're actually going to be in London. In in Southwark Crown Court covering the trial. But you're thinking, all very interesting. Why should we care about some... Yeah, why li- should conservatives care about, about some liberal actor who probably really wouldn't care much about you? Or your values. Or, yes. In fact, probably sneers <laughs> at, at, your, at values. your values. Yes. Yeah. So why now, do we care? Why should we care, Philip? Well... Kevin Spacey probably is quite liberal. Um, by the way, I wonder if he is now. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he actually, he to be fair to me, wasn't particularly vocal or sneering my memory of him. He, you know, he was quite private in many ways. You know, he spoke at the Labour Party conference and he was a very friend. Very friendly with Obama. Yes, friendly with Tony Blair and all that. But he was very private uh, in many ways. Um, and for reasons that you will find out in the podcast why he was clear, why he was private, actually. Um, so... Why are we voting, devoting our time to the trial, the trials of Kevin Spacey? Um, as I say, we're in Austin. We're going to go to the fourth trial in London. So why is this important? And why do you have to listen to the Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. podcast, which you can get at the KevinSpaceyPodcast.com? Mm-hmm. Because this is an example of mob justice. Uh, this is a, an example of a political prosecution to satisfy a mob. This is an example of how the left throw aside the rules of law. They even change the law to get who they want when they want to get someone. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar Mm. out there, Mm -hmm. conservative America? Yeah, right about now. Right. And make no mistake, when they have justified their politicized attack on Spacey, they will come for you and me next or, and after Spacey, it'll be your son next. Mm-hmm. So they, 
they get you used to this idea that we don't need due process. They get the, used to this idea that we can suspend the rule of law. We can change the rule of law. Uh, and, you know, the rule of law is not to protect popular people. The rule of law is to protect unpopular. It's to protect us all. Mm-hmm. Right? Justice is blind. It's justice, supposed to be blind. Yeah. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We can't suspend the rule of law for our enemies or for people we don't like or for people who don't like us, by the way. And can I say something super weird, Phil, right now? This has struck me. And don't get angry, everyone out there, when I say this, but Christians should really care about this. Because if there's one thing that comes out very strongly about the passion of Jesus Christ, by the way, is that Jesus Christ was crucified by a mob a mob who were given the choice to exonerate a serial murderer and they chose to release Barabbas and to have Jesus Christ crucified. The mob is, we, we, we should, Christians should really know about the mob. Yes. And we should always be really suspicious of the mob. I'm not comparing for a millisecond, by the way, Kevin Spacey with Jesus Christ, but we should be really, really suspicious of the mob as Christians because we know a lot about the mob. We know a lot about um, popular justice. And about popular justice. So we can't urge you strongly enough to listen to this podcast, give this podcast a go. But what we're going to do during but, this, yeah, during well, today's the podcast, podcast is, a must. is give you a give you a taste of the podcast, so that you get, so that you can start to realize why why you why you might really enjoy listening to yeah. it. So it's a must listen because well, it's, uh, because of what it says about America, but it's also a must listen because it's a great great story. Uh, this is always our priority: is to bring you great stories and important stories. Um, Interestingly, also, this podcast, the Kevin Spacey podcast, which you can get at kevinspaceypodcast.com, also reveals truly stunning media malfeasance, right? Uh, Truly unethical journalism. And that's another reason for us to do the podcast. There's no political prosecutions without a cheering media Mm -hmm. to cover up and push false information and tell you that black is white. Mm -hmm. Between Between us, we have, what, 50 years in journalism, man? Um, and this th- this is one of the most egregious examples of of media malfeasance and th- these political prosecutors and these people looking for a chance and looking to bring down someone they wouldn't get away with this if it did, if the media wasn't cheering them on and covering and up colluding for their, colluding but also covering up for their lies uh, and pushing false information and telling you black is white. And and this is a gr- there's a great example of actual media cover-ups here. From the beginning, we realized there's so much more about this story. And you're going to hear private emails. You're going to see private emails, private text messages. We interviewed the lawyers who worked on the cases. Yeah, we got uh, our hands on a whole load of incredible, uh, incredible um, information, incredible archive, incredible interviews, incredible depositions. You know, you're going to hear you're going to hear things that like no one has heard this stuff before. This is all exclusive. Yes. Um, and it's extraordinary. And, and it's amazing what people say when they don't think anyone's going to read their emails or text messages, okay. especially journalists who uh, who want a big story and want to bring down someone who want to and who them are off. just yeah and who are basically just working for clicks basically and trying to get the maximum number of clicks before we go any further film because I really think we've really hyped this up quite a bit I think it's, it's a great idea to start at the very beginning and give you a sense a taste of what this podcast sounds like um, and what's in store so let's let's have a listen 
Pandemonium as actor Kevin Spacey arrives for the start of yet another sexual misconduct trial. He was effectively turned into a non-entity. I would have interpreted it as a flirtatious ass. I was actually, to be honest, quite flattered. Victims were starting to be given more credence than the accused. You have to ask yourself, why is he still talking? Why is he still repeating the same lie? I mean, he's been proven a liar. And more importantly, why are we still listening? As any journalist will tell you, they want their stories to be as widely read as possible. I happened to have a really wonderful friend who was a journalist who I knew would take good care of this story. It was ridiculous. It was complete bullshit. It just didn't happen. I am following my attorney's advice not to answer. I'm not answering that question. But you wouldn't believe the worst without evidence, would you? You wouldn't rush to judgments without facts, would you? Did you? No, not you. You're smarter than that. Okay, did that... Did, um, did that get you interested? Did that get you interested? <laughs> Let's remember now, by the way, that this was a very crazy time. This yes. was, you know, this was this was the Me Too movement, which it's became the height of. Listen, look, he he was accused October twenty seventeen. That was just weeks, uh, you know, in the middle. That was just the height of the Me Too era, when, of course, lots of people were be brought down. Some of them deservedly so, some of them less deservedly so, but it was getting like there was a. Remember, there was a a, a list going around bleepy men in media, right? And there was this, it was a Google Doc. And some of the things that they try to bring men down for, people down for, was creepy lunches, right? This was the <laughs> kind of atmosphere that people were, right? So just to give you an atmosphere and a reminder of the people who were brought down, who, who were tried to bring down, let's play a little, a little montage of, uh, and you'll hear Anne McElhinney uh, narrate this and, and put it in context. So let's play that clip now. Kevin Spacey's downfall started back in 2017 when the entertainment industry had a reckoning. Actress after actress came forward with allegations of sexual assault and rape against Harvey Weinstein, one of Hollywood's most influential producers. This started a domino effect that would bring down dozens of powerful figures, destroying reputations, ending careers, and leaving some of the biggest names in the industry facing serious criminal charges. There was a worldwide outpouring of sexual misconduct accusations. The Me Too movement was born. It became one of the biggest news stories of the year, with each allegation getting more and more media attention. Now to the latest on Harvey Weinstein. The New York Times reporting allegations by numerous women who say the Hollywood mogul sexually... The Me Too movement, it is growing this morning. Remember, Alyssa Milano started it all, inspiring millions of women to share their personal stories of sexual harassment. An estimated 33 million American women have been sexually harassed in work-related incidents. That Me Too movement and reaction to the Harvey Weinstein scandal exploding overnight. The latest Me Too movement, hundreds marching down Hollywood Boulevard on Sunday 
sending a message days after five women came forward with sexual misconduct allegations against comedian Louis C.K. Potentially game-changing news in the ongoing Bill Cosby saga. Chief creative officer of Walt Disney and Pixar Animation Studios John Lasseter will take an extended leave of absence. Two-time Academy Award winner Dustin Hoffman is considered one of the greatest actors of his generation. Now, five women have come forward accusing Hoffman of sexual... The Weinstein effect, as it was dubbed, brought down men who were at the top of their professional games. Every few days seemed to bring a fresh slew of allegations and a fall from grace. There was a sense of paranoia and confusion as prominent media figures found themselves struggling to report on the alleged misdeeds of their colleagues and friends. And pervasive. Longtime newsman Charlie Rose is now becoming the newsmaker. Matt Lauer's fall from grace, casting a dark cloud over what was supposed to be a bright night at NBC. In television and in Hollywood. CBS chairman and CEO Les Moonves accused of sexual So, in the midst of all of that, we then come to Kevin Spacey. And you know, what was it that brought this guy down? What was this allegation based on? What exactly had happened? So we've got this Anthony Rapp character, you know, he's uh, years and years and years have passed, but he talks about something that happened when he was well, 14. Anthony Rapp is an actor. And Anthony Rapp is an actor. A working actor. And you mightn't, you know, he was, he's been in a lot of big, fairly big things, but you mightn't know the name, but you might know the face. I think it's, I think a good place for us to go now is to just listen to the allegation that he made yes, against... Yes, Andy like, Rapp was 14, Spacey was 26. They met at some industry events. He claims Rapp invited him to a party in his apartment, a late-night party. He went there on his own in the 1980s New York when they were both starring in Broadway shows. A, an interesting claim that he was allowed to that, wander... That his mother allowed him out at 14. At the 14, mother, to mother wander was, through the 1980s New the York. The mother was we'll, chaperoning him. Yeah, we'll see. This is All these things become very, very contentious and... Uh, don't really stand up to legal scrutiny, but that's a story for a different episode. Mm-hmm. So let's hear Anthony Rapp. Let's hear the allegation. Let's hear the allegation that brought down one of the biggest actors yeah. in Hollywood. According to Rapp, several days pass and he takes up Spacey's offer to come to his place for a party. Rapp testified he had several reasons for accepting Spacey's invitation. This is from his trial testimony. Well, first of all, I was invited, so I was honoured by an invitation to join a colleague at another gathering. And the play I was doing had closed, and I was not having many opportunities to meet people, or I was spending a lot of time with my mom, and I was eager to try to continue to have experiences to continue meeting people in the community that I was a part of. And I was not so eager to just spend time alone with my mom at 14. It's late at night since it would have been after Spacey wrapped an evening performance, and Rapp says he set off alone, aged 14, to the 1980s New York streets when he arrives, he says he notices that it's less of a party and more of a small get-together, maybe half a dozen people total. And that's about all rap remembers of the other guests. In details that were later to become very, very significant, Rap describes the apartment as larger than the one he shared with his mother and that it had a bedroom with a door. He said he quickly became bored with the adult party, so he moved to the bedroom We have managed to get hold of a recording of Anthony Rapp's pre-trial deposition, where he was questioned in detail about the bedroom and the doorway. He didn't know it at the time, but their questions and his answers would prove crucial to Spacey's defense strategy. Did you close the door uh, to the rest of the apartment when you were in there? Did not close the door, no. It It wasn't wide open, it was, you know, 
cracked to some somewhere between half and a quarter open, but no, I didn't close it. Did you close the door at least partially so that it was cracked? I don't recall doing that. I just, it was not wide open and it wasn't closed. So it was somewhere in the middle. When you arrived at the apartment, was the door um, shut or open? Open. In the bedroom with the door partially closed, he watches TV, distinctly remembering David Letterman interviewing actress Molly Ringwald. It's uh, certainly Molly Ringwald. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome uh, her to our program and even more of a pleasure knowing... Sometime after, he turns to see Spacey standing in the door. Though not intoxicated when he arrived, Rapp sees that Spacey is now visibly drunk. In the BuzzFeed article, Rapp told journalist Adam Vary that the other guests had left the party without him noticing. This is a reenactment of Rapp's interview with BuzzFeed reporter Adam Vary. My memory was that I thought, oh, everybody's gone. Well, yeah, I should probably go home. Spacey sort of stood in the doorway, kind of swaying. My impression when he came in the room was that he was drunk. He picked me up like a groom picks up a bride over the threshold. But I don't like squirm away initially because I'm like, what's going on? And then he lays down on top of me. He was trying to seduce me. I, I don't know if I would have used that language, but I was aware that he was trying to get with me sexually. Rap says he wriggles out from under him, shaken, and takes refuge in the bathroom. You might notice there in that excerpt, um, Kevin Spacey's lawyer asking rather detailed questions about the bedroom and the bedroom door. This is very, 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 very significant. The architecture of the building becomes very, very significant. I don't. Uh, we're not going to. We're not going to say this right now, are we, Philip? We're not going to say anything. Not we're give just going to say away. what we're going to say. What we're going to say is that the architecture and the the layout of the place where Kevin Spacey lived at the time is very significant. And that might be a reason why the lawyer is asking those questions. Of course, by the way, I just have to say, Philem, listen to the Kevin Spacey podcast. What is it, Philem, again? At kevinspaceypodcast.com. kevinspaceypodcast.com. Go to kevinspaceypodcast.com to hear why this questioning. And by the way, I mean, it's it's part of, and another intriguing part, by the way, of this podcast is just to realise how, what a great lawyer, what great lawyers do when great lawyers are doing great lawyering. Um, yes. You know, and, and, and this is a great example of it. Um, but yeah, we're not going to give anything away. We're we not going to give anything away. I think we're not going to give anything away, except for, we're, I'll tell you what we'll give away. We'll give away the fact that it's incredibly significant that they question him repeatedly about a door, a door, a door, a door, a bedroom, door, 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 door. Where was the door? How was the door? Where were you lying on the bed? So this went on and on and on. And some of you, because we I have a very, can I just say that we have a very, very smart uh, audience who are going to be thinking to themselves, I bet there's something about the architecture. Can I just say something? How many of you out there, and this is, this comes actually, this is how they changed the law, actually, uh, the Cuomo, remember that? Remember Governor Cuomo, who was going oh, to be, yes. remember, was going to be the next president of the United States. God, remember between that? us and all harm. Um, he changed the law. So there's a great history of America of statute of limitations, right? Uh, except for murder, you know, in all case, a lot of cases, you, you you aren't charged with something from 30 years ago because it's really hard to defend yourself, especially before phones and emails and all that. Correct. Who? If you're an itinerant actor, up-and-coming itinerant actor in New York in 1986, who remembers where they live? Yes, right? on a particular date. But we'll give them a little teaser here. Thanks to a dream. Can you believe this? Thanks to a dream. And thanks to a windy 
ugly, windswept storage facility in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore, not Baltimore County Cork, Ireland, but Baltimore, Maryland, is it? Or as yeah. we say in the world, don't give Maryland. away. Don't give away any more than that film. I think that's enough. So yes, can I talk about a beautiful, a beautiful house in Palm Springs? No, with a beautiful man no, in not going to no. talk about a, me- a beautiful house in Palm Springs. Right. Listen, we we have travelled. This this podcast will take you literally from a ugly windswept storage facility in Baltimore to a beautiful house with a beautiful man in in Palm Springs. I'm allowed to say beautiful man. I think you saying beautiful man sounds weird, Phil. Particularly you. The man was so beautiful when the uh, person serving the subpoena, who's a hard-bitten New York (laughs) subpoena, she served everyone under the planet uh, and she comes back and says to the lawyers, that is the most beautiful man I've I've ever ever seen. seen. (laughs) Yes, and that also becomes extremely important. very interesting. How beautiful that man is becomes very, very important. Can you imagine spending half a day in court working out whether a man was stunningly beautiful or not? And and, and the judge allowing it and the jury realising it was significant. So it's a very, very interesting case, right? Have we teased you enough yet? Um, So... Now, as journalists, let's get to the bit that we particularly like. I mean, we like it all, but the media malfeasance bit. Um, so, you know, how did the story become public? Rap worked with his with a journalist, Adam Barry, who was then at BuzzFeed News, struggling BuzzFeed News. Uh, Adam Barry was a, a not very well-known journalist at BuzzFeed News. Uh, and he's clear, and he writes in the article, that he was a friend of Adam mm-hmm. of, of Anthony Rapp. Yes. Uh, he had been a friend of Anthony Rapp, I think, since 1999. This story appeared in 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot can be discussed about various methods, but let's just say the behaviour behind the scenes was highly, highly unethical. We've been journalists for 30 years, and if I think if we had done this... I think, have done. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting is, you know, and we've had this experience, if you are writing a story that is extremely, you know, extremely serious in the sense that it could involve destroying someone's life. Right. For example, yes. let's just put it that way. The fact, you know, there is within within proper journalist journalism, there is fact checking, by the way, within proper journalism. Yes. There's qu- questions. Where did you get that? When did that happen? How did that? What? Who said that? Who, tell me exactly who said. For example, I just it just re- it occurs to me, Phil, and we were writing. Um, you'll remember when we lived in Romania, um, and we were doing a big article looking at some. Um, bad behaviour on behalf of some charities. So very, very, very serious allegations about very, uh, about quite public charities and what they were doing with children in Romania. And we had very serious allegations. Mm -hmm. And I have such a clear, clear memory of the Irish Times phoning repeatedly. Who said that? When did they say that? Can you give me his telephone number? Because I want to phone him myself. And by the way, we had no problem with that because the, the allegations were extremely serious. That's the context that we're going to put this next section where you're going to listen to into. So that when you are about to destroy someone's life, you need to be damn sure that you are telling, that you have that you have crossed every T and, and dotted every I. Also, you don't give a day or two. Well, it comes out in this actually. You don't give a day or two You give people an opportunity. Especially yeah. about something 30 yeah. years You give ago. people an opportunity. You certainly wouldn't drop something like this on somebody and expect them to respond within 24 hours. Yes. You would give them a time because, because it's so serious, because the consequences of getting this wrong and not allowing that person to respond are so devastating. Well, also, it's 30 years ago. Maybe there's documents Correct. that you, you need to find or, or invoices the receipts I mean and as we'll see at the end of, listen to the end of this excerpt there was a vagueness 
to the email uh, and that was delivered. Let, let's, let, let's, let, have a, let's have a listen. People will understand it better when they hear the piece. Okay. The email arrived with Spacey on the morning of Sunday, October 29. He later testified about those moments his world started to crumble. This is a reenactment of his trial testimony where he described being contacted by Adam Vary, a BuzzFeed reporter. Spacey was in Los Angeles at the time. I got a phone call from my publicist at some point on Sunday morning, October 29, and she told me that she wanted to send an email to me and that it contained an allegation against me. And so I... I don't know how early it was. It might have been 11.30 in the morning or close to 12. I received this email that had been sent to her the previous day, but she had been on holiday and didn't see that email until the morning of the 29th. So she sent it to me, and that was the first time that I heard about this allegation. This is the email from Adam Vary that upended Spacey's life. It's read by an actor. Hi. I have attempted to reach Stacy Wolf by email yesterday and by phone today, so I'm writing you all to make you aware of a story we plan to publish about Kevin Spacey. The facts in this story are based on primary accounts from Anthony Rapp, but we wanted to take this step to ensure that there is no confusion about what we plan to publish and to give you a fair opportunity to correct any perceived errors or otherwise respond to our reporting. Please see a list of our findings related to you, which we plan to publish below. We plan on publishing tonight, and we would like to hear back from you by then. One, the actor, Anthony Rapp, alleges that Kevin Spacey made a sexual advance on him in 1986 when Rapp was 14 years old at a party at Spacey's apartment. Rapp alleges that Spacey physically lifted Rapp, placed him on the bed, and got on top of him. Rapp alleges that he squirmed away, briefly stepped into Spacey's bathroom, told Spacey he was about to go home, and that Spacey said, are you sure you want to go? Rapp alleges that to his best recollection, he has never heard from nor spoken with Spacey since that night, besides seeing him on the set of the film of Six Degrees of Separation and seeing him again before the 1999 Tony Awards. Two, Rapp alleges that Spacey took him and a 17-year-old friend to the nightclub Limelight that same year. I will be available to speak to you all day. Best, Adam. Adam Vary, Chief Film Reporter, BuzzFeed News. The email also mentioned there was an allegation on Twitter against Spacey regarding an apparent incident in Nantucket, but the claim was vague with no specifics. Right now, it was rap accusations that demanded Spacey's full attention. Spacey later told the court that his initial feeling was one of baffled panic There were two reasons for this. One was that the email didn't specify the exact date or location where the assault was supposed to have happened. And Spacey also said he was confused by the mention of a 17-year-old friend. He remembered meeting fellow actor John Barrowman on the same night that he met Anthony Rapp. But he knew Barrowman wasn't 17 in 1986. He was an adult. Again, this is an actor reading Spacey's courtroom testimony. I was shocked, and I was frightened, and I was confused. Well, there was nothing in this email that helped me understand when this allegation was supposed to have happened, except sometime in 1986. It didn't say where it happened. It didn't say what apartment this happened in. 
It didn't even mention that I was doing Long Day's Journey into Night or that he was doing Precious Sons. I had absolutely no idea when this could have been. And also, I will explain why I was also confused. Because if you look at line one, he makes the allegation, and then line two, he says, I allegedly took him and a 17-year-old friend to the nightclub Limelight that same year. I'm now reading this and thinking, is this chronological? Like, are they accusing me of this, and then I went to Limelight with him? And also, who is this 17-year-old friend? Because I knew John Barrowman wasn't 17. He was a man, to my memory, so I was, I was literally confused. I didn't know how to respond to this, and I felt like I needed more information. What Spacey and his team didn't know and could not have expected was that the email was probably deliberately vague. Normally, when journalists are working on a big story concerning very serious allegations, the email requesting comment is exhaustive and very, very detailed. I know, I've written many of them. Comment requests of this nature normally contain days and dates and details of the allegations that will appear in print. Lawyers and editors normally approve and add to the email, and it covers every single allegation with as much detail as possible. Journalistic ethics demand this. Often, so do nervous lawyers worried about a lawsuit. There was another peculiarity about BuzzFeed's email. The looking for comment email for something as serious as an allegation of child sexual abuse over 30 years ago would normally be sent days, even weeks in advance to give the accused time to check records, seek legal advice and craft a response. The original email was sent on a Saturday. Spacey saw it on Sunday and was told he had until the end of the day to respond and then the story would go live. Later it emerged that the vagueness of the allegations in the email was probably not an accident, nor a byproduct of a traumatized victim trying to remember incidents from the distant past. The vagueness was a deliberate tactic cooked up between Anthony Rapp and his journalist friend Adam Vary to make it almost impossible for Spacey to refute the allegations with documentation or find independent, contemporaneous witnesses. Spacey's instincts that there was something just not right with the email were correct. So, as we say at the end, that vagueness was not... Was not an accident. Or a byproduct of, of, of rushed, let's get the story out. This was unethical journalism, and that's not just us saying that. Yes. The judge in the trial said that. So, um, and as I said at the beginning, there is no politicised prosecutions without a cheering media running was it quarterback you know what's his defense or run you know runs as a, as a runs, runs interference interference that's it look at me no that's things. it look at me no has got it right okay by the way ju- you know just to, to kind of spoil the ending of this don't do that well okay most people don't know there was a two-week trial on on this and uh anthony rapp went there and let's just say the jury made a very quick decision on this I don't I just don't want to give too much away I mean again as I said I'm really hoping at this point that you've heard a few of these pieces and that you appreciate the amount of work that we've put into this and that and I think it's I think I think you want to listen to the whole thing um, and we really want to hear from you by the way so please go and listen you can find you can find all nine ep- well, sorry you can find no, we're so dropping far the we're dropping dro- two episodes to two episodes this week so you're hearing those two episodes you can get those two episodes the rest of the episodes will be dropped 
in every, every in week. due time in, in due, due time um, and we would, Kevin's, ask, Kevin's we would love Spacey. you to you yeah. know what would really help us by the way what would really really help yes. us is when you listen if for example you're listening on Apple is to give us a review to give us a review to subscribe to get other people to subscribe it costs nothing please share it with your friend who you know loves true crime um, who loves justice who cares about justice um, about the issues that are that, that are emerged that you're getting a sense of through this particular podcast um, we're really proud of what we've done here and we are very interested to find out what happens in London as I said when this comes out when you're listening to this we are in London at, in, the, at, 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 at that at that in day. Southwark Crown Court so go to kevinspaceypodcast.com go to your phone look at the podcast app that purple podcast app if you've got an Apple phone there um, and just put in the trial of Kevin Spacey uh, please leave a review, uh, five star review, hopefully, um, but also write a review. Write what you think. Has this changed your mind about Kevin Spacey? Has it changed your mind about anything? About anything. Look, this is important. You know our ra- track record: the Gosnell story, FBI, Lovebirds, Frack Nation, My Son Hunter, My Son Hunter. We tell the truth. Uh, we don't, you know, ju- just because it's about a Hollywood. St- they are coming for us next, yeah. right? We need to be strong and we need to tell the truth without fear or favour. And that's why you listen to us. That's why we enjoy and what ask we yourself, do. And ask yourself, by the way, ask yourself, have you been a part of a mob? <laughs> have you been part of the mob that have condemned Kevin Spacey? Because if you have, you really need to listen to this because this is what actually happened. By the way... This I- is what a jury, a jury in Manhattan decided. A jury, you know, also in Nantucket. You, you need to listen to this if you think... If you had made a rush to judgment and then maybe have a, you know, scratch your head and think, you know, as Phelan said, I think the worst part about this is that, you know, they'll get him today, but they're coming for you tomorrow. Your son. So we, and your son. Yeah, exactly. So you need, we we all need to care about this. By the way, I think we all had a rush to judgment. Like we, you know, Oh no, I was right there. I was right there. I mean, we were, I mean, just a finishing story here. I mean, you know, we were in Serbia, as you guys know, we we made the My Son Hunter movie and and we needed, there was a role that we needed to fill and this conversation got up and I remember Somebody said, you know, what about Kevin Spacey? And I'm like, there's no way we're having Kevin Spacey over here. We're not, we're, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to employ that guy. Um, and somebody at, somebody at the time said, well, he's innocent. And I'm thinking, no, I've checked this out. He definitely isn't innocent. And it just shows you, you know, um, anyway, that's me kind of preempting. Away the preem- story. preempting well, no, they said he'll be exonerated. The truth will come out, to be fair. They don't, you know, they, they said like, there's more to this story than meets the eye. And by the way, there's more to this story than meets the eye. Um, there's so much more. And it's a fascinating story of a particular time in America then and a particular time in America now. What does it say about America and justice? And, and look, you don't need me to tell you that just the justice system is under threat more than ever. Yes. So we need to Even call, a, call yeah. out injustice wherever yeah. it is and no matter who uh, who is the poster child for it because... Uh, They'll come for the unpopular people so they can... They'll come for the popular people. So they can come for the unpopular. Yeah, so they can come for the, the, the deplorables next. So that's us for this week, um, as you know. So we're in London um, and we will be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.